Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, Ryan and I discuss Ridley Scott's new historical epic, Napoleon. Full spoilers ahead for the movie. You've been warned. So, going into our medium shot, what was your hype level going into this movie, or just history with the Napoleon historical figure? What what were your expectations coming in? Uh, I had no idea this movie was being made when the first trailer dropped, I think, like a few months ago. And then I watched the trailer and I got really, I got hyped from the first trailer alone. You know, a really Scott epic. He's really good at historical battles. Um, he's just good in battles in general. And he was doing, he's doing one on Napoleon. And I thought, hey, nobody's really done a biopic about Napoleon in a while. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is at the helm and, you know, coming off of the uh, Joker fame. And what is the other movie that came out? This year, Bo was afraid or something like that. He was in that. Um, yes, yeah, didn't watch that, but uh, I was pretty hyped going into it. Uh, didn't know much about Napoleon except he won a lot and then lost a lot. So that's about all I knew. How about you, Joe? Yeah, very much the same. Uh, Ridley Scott's a very prolific filmmaker for the last near fifty years in Hollywood history. He's done a lot of some of the best movies ever made and he's like you said very known for his epics so sure let's let's see what he could do with napoleon bonaparte who is a pretty contentious historical figure but on the whole i'll, I'll admit i'm i'm a fan i think he's he's very interesting in a way that you don't usually our view of Napoleon in the West is strongly dictated by British propaganda. How they feel about him on mainland Europe versus like England and North America, different stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like the nuances of it. But we'll get into that and enter our close-up right now. Um, might talk a little bit about Napoleon, the historical figure. I think you have to. Uh, to talk about this movie in comparison to what the movie actually did, but well, let's uh, let's get into your opinion first. What did you think of this this take on it? Well, I remember coming out of it thinking ah, it's uh, it's it's kind of a bummer because I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer whatsoever because I do think there were some amazing things in this movie. I think all the battles were very well choreographed filmed um probably some of the best really scott has done in recent memory um i just felt like i needed to see a little bit more it's so it's odd uh i need to see a little bit more of like behind the scenes of napoleon and they did do that with his wife josephine a lot but still felt like they were more so kind of doing the Bohemian Rhapsody route where they were just kind of praising Napoleon for all his good qualities and all the stuff he did well instead of also showing some of his flaws. I mean, he did have flaws. We did see that in the movie. Um, But the more I sat on it this past week, when I saw it last week, um, I I liked it. It's a good movie. I've... 
wish it was for me, I wish it was like fantastic or a phenomenal biopic, but it's not bad. You know, it hits all the it's all the marks of what it's trying to do and what it's trying to tell. You know, it's trying to tell this epic story of Napoleon, his rise to power and how he, you know, made uh, France kind of a absolute powerhouse in terms of military. And, you know, it is it is that kind of movie. It's it's a it's like a praise movie. You know, it's not 100 percent historically accurate, but what is, you know, most biopics. You know, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody, Elvis, you know, those are the recent ones that come to mind. They're not all historically accurate, but are those movies good? Yeah. So I liked it coming out of it. See, it's very funny because I feel like you and I have opposite reactions to this. Our trajectories have gone very different because you say you think it was more... uh, um, well, for lack of a, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you think it was more flattering, like flattering. Showed, less of, yeah. showed less of his flaws. I think the exact opposite. I think this was, it. It. I feel like it went very heavy on his ego, and it 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 played very strongly. I think into those British propaganda elements. I, I was thinking about this in retrospect, and I'm like, okay, so here we have a Napoleon movie created by Sir Ridley Scott, an English knight, filmed mostly in England. <laughs> it's, I'm like, this is, a, this is a, a Britain take on Napoleon, and I think plays very strongly into the little man who wanted to be more than he was trope of Napoleon, who he's described as a Corsican thug, and throws temper tantrums constantly and is just kind of a, a general dick and he's full of himself. And I will get into the nuances of this later because I don't think it's as bad as I'm making it sound. But I really, really liked this movie when I was done with it. When I came out of the theater, I'm like, wow, I love this movie. This is like, this is one of the best movies I've seen all year. This is, wow, it's fantastic. And then... I've sat on it the last couple days and I've soured on it somewhat. Uh, I'm having a lot more problems with it a few days in. So that's just kind of funny. I just remember Ryan told me, Hey man, I saw Napoleon, not, not super impressed. I'm disappointed. I'm like, what? what do you mean? I loved it. And now we're, not totally flipped sides here. I think we both came down to a more middle ground here. Yeah. Yeah. But you seem to like it more than when you saw it, and I'm disliking it more than when I saw it. I don't think it. it's great. I, I think it's, you know, it's still good, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't tell people to rush to the theaters to see it unless they want to see just like great acting, great action set pieces, but overall, just as a like a deep dive into Napoleon's like psyche or his family or whatnot, it's, it doesn't show that much. Like it, it tiptoes so much into his life. Like you think a scene is going somewhere, and the scene's really picking up. And it, I, I can't think of like any specific details right now or 
specific scenes because I only saw it like a week ago. Um, and it should come to mind, but for some reason it didn't. And what I'll tell you it is is you've made a good comparison to biopics. But it did that thing bio bad biopics do, where instead of telling a story about a segment of somebody's life, it tries to do the entirety of this very important person's life in the span of two and a half hours. So I think the movie was well paced for feeling. It it never dragged. I was constantly invested in it. But in terms of the story, the pacing is breakneck to the point where it doesn't let us yeah. sit with any single moment of his life. You just see, oh, and he fought in this battle. And, and he fought with his wife here. And, oh, I mean, some of these things kind of carry forward his problems with Josephine not being able to produce an heir. That is kind of a recurring problem, but it's just kind of like, well, these problems were, these fights they're having about it are years apart in some cases, and then we just kind of cut to battle scenes, and which don't really communicate anything to me other than, okay, he, he used this battle scene to propel himself higher in the French hierarchy. And this battle scene showed he did very poorly and he's falling down the ladder. Now it's, it served very obvious purposes, but it was just kind of a, okay, we're just rushing through this guy's life. We're not really sitting on anything to see what does it really mean to him in this moment? What are the real repercussions right now? Of everything that's happening, it's just flyby. Exactly. Like, they never really hold on to what the scene is leading up to, for me. It's always, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's like they're trying to tell, what, 40 years of, or 30 to 40 years of About 30. military and family experience of one of the, like biggest generals of all time but it just it never sits down and lets like lets the audience really soak in a scene like what would have been really interesting to see is like all of napoleon's or like his affairs or his bastard child that he had to prove that he could produce an heir like we never really sit with that we're just like yeah you can you can you, you got I swimmers, and it's Josephine's problem, but it's just we never really sit, and that's probably a bad example, but there's just other scenes where it feels like he's, like, fighting with Josephine, and then two scenes later, they're madly in love. It's, it's like, the ran most random thing. I'm going to make a counterpoint here and say that despite what we may think of it as entertainment value, you could argue there's some artistry in that. You could say all these snapshots basically at a one-to-one -one ratio of Josephine and the battles in this movie about Napoleon Ridley Scott's showing us the things Napoleon he argues Napoleon seems to care the most about is the time with his wife and his time on the battlefield at some of his greatest and worst moments and so you could say yes in this version of Napoleon he doesn't really care as much about the other stuff he doesn't 
it doesn't matter to let these moments breathe. He just, he cares about his wife. He cares about uh, the military. And I really liked how he showed Napoleon's last words uh, before he died were France, army, Josephine. <laughs> Which really, the fact that Scott chose to highlight those words at the end tells me that was how he focused this movie. And I can, like I said, you can argue about its entertainment value, but I think it was an intentional choice. He was going for, this is, this is the parts of Napoleon's life I care most about, or I'm arguing he cared the most about. So. Yeah, no, I get it. And it's, it's, there's really, it's like the one of three ways to tell a biopic. It's, there's the truth. And there's making up bullshit. And then there's the way you would think that person would want to be seen or just putting them only in a flattering light. And that's really what Ridley did here. And I can't fault him for that. I do think this is a good, I don't think it's a good movie, but, but there's just the fact that he didn't do as much of a deep dive into his life that he could have is what's holding it back for me personally, for it being great. I mean, yeah. talk, let's not even like talk about the like the deep dive into his life or even just who he was as a person. Just the actual shots and the battle scenes in this movie are phenomenal. They're great. Exceptional. They're amazing. The, the fight on the ice and absolutely slaughtering the Persia. Is that who they are? Is it the Austria. Persia? Austria, excuse me. Those guys and just... Just you absolutely see the brilliance of Napoleon's tactical mind in this movie. All, all that stuff is done phenomenal. Um, and just the way Joaquin Phoenix portrays him, the way he acts and the way he kind of flip flops between his emotions. He's got a sense of humor. There's some funny scenes in this movie, um, but it can be funny. deadly serious. Yeah. Um, never thought I'd laugh watching Joaquin Phoenix eat a lamb chop, but, <laughs> you know. That's a destiny <laughs> gave me this lamb chop. <laughs> That's being pushed all over social media right now. Um, yeah, so it's it's still a good movie, but there's just again, I just Don't keep comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody. It's just it's there's stuff that's keeping it from making it great. And I've made this comparison with my friends a lot, but the reason that Bohemian Rhapsody failed for me and Rocket Man succeeded is because they actually showed the struggle that Elton John went through with all his drugs and the money and his sexuality and how that affected him in his life and how he really did hit rock bottom and then he just soared later on in life. Where in Bohemian Rhapsody, you see one pan shot of drugs on the table, but you don't see Freddie Mercury take the drugs on the table now you could say the people making that they don't want to show freddie mercury in a bad light because he did mean a lot to so many people but elton john means so much to so many people and is it because he's still alive is that the difference between how do we portray this man in this movie or not i guarantee you me personally being a huge queen fan i would have been fine seeing freddie mercury hit the rock bottoms that he had which i really don't know what he went through because they didn't tell us because it would have humanized him. It would have made him, it would have helped me connect with him more on a personal level. Not to say Bohemian Rhapsody is a bad movie, but it stopped it from being great. 
that's my whole point with biopics. It's just, yeah. you can tell the story you want, but if you want me to really connect with a person, you got to show some of the flaws and some of the ups and downs that they went through in life. And Napoleon didn't really do that for me. It did for me, but just... it. <clears throat> a lot of this movie, I find, is written in between the lines. It doesn't spell out everything in every conversation, but when I hear the criticism that this movie lacks some of those nuances, I do think a lot of them are there more than people give it credit for. Like, well, let me, let me see examples here. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's like, when he's talking to his wife and, you know, he says, well, you know, you're like, say you're, you're nothing without me. And then she flips it back on him later. Uh, on the surface, that scene is just like, okay, this is kind of a toxic romance. They're obsessed with each other, but, and they, they had this kind of weird power over each other, but the movie kind of plays on that under the surface a little bit too like when he leaves Egypt to go uh to, to go find her because he thinks she's having an affair that's she it's exercising that power over him uh later on when especially though after he fails in in Russia and this is after his divorce with with uh from her and just the idea that you're nothing without me and all his greatest downfalls in life happened after they had a divorce. He kind of keeps going super cocky. Like I'm Napoleon. I'm, uh, I'm a great victor. I'm a French hero, savior of the Republic. And she's like, mm, yeah, but I was really the, the one kind of helping prop you up. Like without, without me by your side, you're just an egotist overly ambitious um and i feel like he kind of lost his passion in a way when when they when they divorced it's like the military conquering just wasn't quite the same after that he had nobody to do it for in a way it was just meaningless death and destruction uh so there there's some subtext there um also, just his kind of need to prove himself constantly. Uh, I, I like how he's very confident on the surface. Oh, I never make a mistake. I'm, I'm he's like other people make the mistakes. Like I see it all in my head, but I can't. The, the people placing the cannons, they're the ones who screw it up. And that's juxtaposed with this guy who, when when the British ambassadors, they're like, "You think you're so great because you have boats." That was so funny. Inside, he's also kind of this raging child who's trying to prove himself in any way he can. Like, yeah, there, there is some stuff that's spelt out, but I think a lot is under the surface, and you have to look for it. Like, ask yourself, why is he doing these things, and how does that relate to Josephine? Like, what are his actual motivations here i think it is there to pick apart 
but yeah, the movie doesn't really hammer it home. It's not it's not beating you over the head by any means. Yeah, no. It's not it doesn't really give a lot of context for why this stuff is happening. Um it's very much it feels like someone wrote a book about Napoleon. Really Scott read it and he's like I'm going to do the visual novel to this movie and all the subtext and all that's going to be in the book. <laughs> Which, you know, is fine, you know. Film is his motif. It's his genre of art. He doesn't have to explain everything of what's it's, going on. It's so. funny because that's how he basically explained away the historical inaccuracies. I don't know if you've seen that quote floating around the internet. Yeah. I just, I have it here. Uh, so people have criticized him for being historically inaccurate in many ways with this movie. And he says, all right, uh, Napoleon dies. Then 10 years later, someone writes a book. Then someone takes that book and writes another. And so, 400 years later, there's a lot of imagination in his tree books. When I have issues with historians, I ask, Excuse me, mate, were you there? No? Well, shut the fuck up then. He's become very bitter in his old age. <laughs> I think most people get that way. I remember, no, it like, was because, what I'm was it like? It. Just let me make he had movie. two movies come out. What was it, in 2000? Uh, 21 or House of Gucci 22. and Last Duel. Yeah, and he was very mad about uh, particular, he disliked Marvel fans for not going out to the movie theaters to see in this movie, <laughs> seeing his movies. Right. Um, and I was like, don't blame Marvel fans, well. blame your marketing team. Yeah. House of Gucci did well. <laughs> Last Duel, very underrated. You made like 15 million, I think, Last Duel. So that sucks. Well, that was Good a movie, marketing. Though. Yeah, that was a marketing problem. Oh, I remember God. like I remember a friend of mine specifically who was like, "Oh, I'm going to see the last duel," and I had already seen it. And I'm like, "To be clear, you know it's more of a medieval legal drama than an action movie, right?" And that turned him right off. <laughs> He's like, "Nope, okay, I thought it was an action movie. I'm I'm out." I'm like, "There you go." I mean, the duel itself is pretty good. There's maybe the two end. action scenes in that movie, but all the trailers made it seem like it was some medieval action epic leading up to this big duel. Like, no, it's not what it is. It's a it's a legal drama. It's a very serious legal drama, too. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh brother. Still love you, Ridley. Anyway. Yeah. But I, I did like the nuances to Napoleon's character. Um, he was always serious on the battlefield, but just kind of a bit of a goofball behind the scenes. When he's just alone with his wife, he's pretty inappropriate in many, in many ways. But that's, or even just when he's with his family, uh, mm-hmm. like that scene when he's yelling at her about an heir over dinner. And then when yeah. they're alone, they, they they make up and he's like, I don't want to divorce you, but I will like if I have, have to. to. <laughs> She's like, get yeah. your shit together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else here? Uh, yeah, you know what I the also weird like thing the- was I remember walking out and somebody had I was over here in a conversation and somebody had the thought of I just feel like a two and a half hour movie is not enough to tell about Napoleon Napoleon's story. And then he said something like, maybe like an eight-hour miniseries. And then back of my mind is like, yeah, but people don't watch 
<laughs> like a lot of people don't watch streaming miniseries unless they're really high quality and well known. Like the last one I can think of is Chernobyl. Yeah. It has been floated that Ridley Scott plans to release a four hours director's cut on Apple TV which some people are theorizing was always part of the marketing strategy. Release a decent movie in theaters, two and a half hours, good enough for, to get people in theaters, and then release the actual cut of the movie on streaming. It's like, well, you, you liked the movie enough in theaters, did you? Here's an hour and a half more. But you got to get you Apple You can call TV. it... Here's a dumb joke. You can call it Napoleon, the dynamite edition. <laughs> and then you just confuse everybody who's <laughs> trying to rent or buy Napoleon. Four movie. hours of Napoleon dynamite. I can't believe this exists. <laughs> oh, it's about actual Napoleon. Oh, Boom. man. Is Pedro in it at least? No. No. Which is a little scummy of them, but it's also, it's an interesting marketing strategy if that's what they're doing. Yeah. I've never seen something like that. I'm not getting Apple TV for it. I mean, if you buy like one Apple product, you get like a three month trial anyway. So mm. I might actually finally activate. <laughs> From what I've heard Ridley Scott say, his extended cut would focus more on Josephine. Uh, that extra hour and a half would okay. be more scenes about her uh, behind the Just scenes what I of want. Napoleon. Yeah, as a bit of that counterbalance. I, I kind of liked in the back half of the movie when after they divorced, he was still, like they were both at a very low point. At, at By then, he was off losing all these battles and she was just waiting around her mansion. She had nothing else to do anymore. She was the empress, and now she's just the empress's former, the emperor's former lover. Right. Yeah. And even then, the tabloids are still writing about her when she's dancing with the Tsar. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of this movie I missed. Or just trying to remember it. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that she had serial affairs as well on him. That was so funny to me, though, yeah. when, when she's like, like, what? Like, you haven't had affairs? Well, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I have. <laughs> and were they pretty? Some. <laughs> I like how he admits that some were ugly. <laughs> yeah. And did you love them? No. She's like, well, they're... I'm like, good. You turn Chill it on. the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. When you do it, it's fine. When I do it, it's a problem. Men. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we're if we're talking historically, yeah, they wouldn't write about him having affairs. That's just expected. Yeah, that's just a regular Tuesday. Yep. The woman has affairs. It's on. It's in the tabloids. And we can't have that. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny when he's he's reading about it. And then he throws all her stuff out in the rain. 
This movie's yeah, like was... half rom com. <laughs> it's it's weird. I know that was it's, very rom com. It's not what I. Exp- it was yeah. hilarious. You know, it re- really reminded me of um, the White Caps episode in Sopranos. Uh, when uh, spoiler alert, when um, Carm throws all of Tony's stuff out the window because uh, yeah, the, the Russian pool. lady called her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good. Carm, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do this time? <laughs> they broke it up. I think that's the episode uh, she won the Emmy for. Really? Yeah. Oh, good for her. The uh, the breakup. I don't know. It's weird yeah, how the Emmys work for like TV shows because like they credit. Sometimes they credit like specific episodes for it, but it's like why don't you credit the whole season? <laughs> the whole season got released. I don't know. Yeah. So I I just I think it's interesting about this character. He's um he's an egotist though. It's a little bit earned. He's a noble leader and a lover, but also a bit possessive and temperamental. They try, I think they do show both sides to him. Yeah. But I think the movie more that I thought about it, it just, it, it's not very flattering. I think it shows him more as this, this prick who's like, well, you know, I, like I, I want to love my wife, but she can't get me an heir, so I'm going to abandon her for politics. I'm going to go on all these glorious crusades that'll get millions killed by the end of it. I'll like everyone kind of sees me as a thug, and he doesn't really do anything to dissuade that um, that interpretation of him. Which, once again, as I was reading more about Napoleon after the fact, it feels like a very uh, it's a very unflattering portrait of him because the Napoleon I've been reading about since was a very uh, charismatic individual who did, you know, he, he did have this contentious relationship with his wife. He did wage all these wars, but he's also the guy who, like, he, he basically refounded France and Europe from the ground up. Like, he, he formed the Napoleonic Code of Law, which is still the basis for so many legal systems in Europe to this day. I also read he formed the Bank of France, too. Uh, like he, he just he reformed a lot of institutions and kind of gave people rights. That like the idealist Napoleon is the guy who took the ideals of the French Revolution and had the foresight and the power to make it happen the way the French populace would have wanted. And that's why they put him into power in the first place. So Napoleon's kind of this two-faced guy because he was the ideal choice to be a leader at that time. And he made, like, and he did say, he did what he said he'd do. He was very good for France at the time. And I've also heard the argument said that arguably all his conquests across Europe were basically against all these other monarchies who he's just trying to spread the ideals of the French Revolution across Europe. This anti-market monarchist mindset, democracy, freedom to the people, these kind of things. And a lot of the propaganda against Napoleon, I've heard it argued, is because all these monarchists want to keep the status quo. So, of course, he's the bad guy for coming into their lands and trying to stir trouble up. But, yeah, so some narratives of Napoleon have him as this tyrannical conqueror 
who got a lot of people killed and was an egotist and a, and a dick who was beyond uh, more ambitious than he than he could really hope to attain. And other versions of Napoleon have him as this kind of heroic freedom fighter who was an idealistic person, put in a lot of great social reforms for his time, and and then kind of got corrupt with power later. That's the turning point for a lot of people, was when he declared himself emperor. It's like, oh, so you you helped get rid of monarchies and then installed yourself as emperor. Okay, hypocrite. And even a lot of his contemporaries were not happy with that. But, like, that's the kind of movie I wanted. I wanted to see them get more into that kind of stuff. Like, where was the yeah. idea... Where was this like political idealist who got corrupt with power? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, all I wanted I to see more of that and him them deep dive more into that. I kind I of also wanted to see like the effects on his decisions politically and militarily, like what that did to the French people as well. Like we don't really see, and again, the movie's called Napoleon. It's about him, but just like a little bit tidbits here and there of maybe the country's reaction to him because really the only reactions we do see is either him gunning down the population in I think what was it Paris or wherever I can't remember it was during yeah, it was one uh, quelling yeah. a royalist insurrection yeah or when the um <laughs> the soldiers sent to kill him to stop him just turned over and said long live the emperor which was you know I know is somewhat accurate like they were sent to stop him, but they love Napoleon so much that they just joined up with him immediately. That's the uh, but story I wanted to I, see like, yeah, that's like the they listed all they listed all the casualties that on his side of the war when he was going through all those battles. So it was like, damn, like forty thousand men in one battle—that's insane. But we don't really see people's reaction to that, and that's why. Like, that's why this movie to me is just very much, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. But how a story should flow, in my personal opinion, is like, this happened because of this, and because of that, this will happen. And it's like, everything doesn't feel tied together. It just feels like a bulletin point type story. Yeah, and it's just kind of a weird mismatch, right? Because it's not even historically accurate enough that you could say and then this happened and then this happened like a documentary would right so it, it's not it's not historical and accurate enough to do the documentary thing but it's not it's not focused enough to do the movie thing either so we can forgive it so it's it's writing this weird in between area of like trying to be a Hollywood movie and a documentary or just a Hollywood movie that took on way too much. Right. I still think it's yeah. crazy that he basically accomplished everything in this movie in a little less than 20 years. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. That was it's, a, it's wild. I can't even imagine living in times like that where one guy just rewrote the borders of an entire continent multiple times. <laughs> multiple times through his conquest <laughs> declares himself emperor and I also thought it was interesting all those allusions to Julius Caesar because he if 
From what I know, he effectively did the same thing. They formed a tri like a, a, a democratic triumvirate, and then the head of the triumvirate took over as emperor. And yeah, until he had his downfall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've also heard like I watched there's this YouTube channel called Oversimplified. If you haven't, if nobody's watched this YouTube channel, it's great. They kind of mix his he. What he does, he has, like, simple animation style, uh, historical stories. So he did, like, the Prohibition. He did World War One, World War Two. how that happened. And it's, like, 15 to 30 minutes uh, videos each. Um, he's done a bunch of, like, historical wars and all that. And he did the Napoleonic Wars. And he kind of um, compared him to Caesar, but he also compared him to sort of, like, Alexander the Great and how much he accomplished and all he conquered. He does a, he does a fantastic job on this kind of me just like we're not sponsored by this guy but it's kind of like he does a fantastic job about explaining every detail of Napoleon's life and but also when it comes to like the serious parts he just uses like historically accurate paintings and like shows the like the casualties that actually happened in his war and explains all the death and destruction that happened throughout Napoleon's reign um yeah i just shout out to him but like it's just crazy how much really put into this movie but also how much he did leave out because there is so much more that napoleon did so many more battles that he went through but also it's a two and a half hour movie you can't fucking fit everything that napoleon did into one movie that's crazy uh See, but what he did yeah. put in i thought yeah here's a highlight reel of his life here's basically the most important battles or events that happened in napoleon's life yes the other battles and the other stuff might be as important in his life but it's not widely known and here's what people expect to see and okay, here's okay, what i'm here's gonna another. put my energy towards true uh i was just thinking here's another example of a way they kind of undermine the character i was reading about the egyptian campaign in this movie they're like, yep, he fired at the pyramids, which he didn't do. Which he didn't uh, do. But it looks cool on camera. He, like, opens the mummy case and is, like, desecrating the culture, which he arguably kind of did. But really, what he's known for with Egypt, from my research here, just, like, ever so slightly getting into it, um, in the, into the research, uh, what I read is he brought all these scientists and uh and philosophers with him to egypt to really study this culture and by the time they like yeah they plundered a whole lot of treasures i'm pretty sure including the rosetta stone is where they found that in that campaign and basically by the time he left it historians say it arguably founded the field of egyptology because of the the minds he brought there at, during that campaign to just study this culture and its artifacts. So, hmm. it, like, this is the kind of legacy of Napoleon we don't get to see. We just, all we got to see was he strolled into Egypt and shot a cannonball into the Pyramid of Giza and then desecrated a mummy. And we're like, well, what, what, about, what about the fact that he kind of thought the culture was cool and he dedicated a lot of his resources to 
learning about it and finding historical things and like where's where's that nuance right where's where's this guy who kind of cherishes the cultures he conquers no he'll put the hat on the sarcophagus yeah and like yeah where's that i mean it's like by today's standards we still consider this stuff bad but for his time he's nearly respectful of the people he's conquering in a way like besides the mass murder he's interested it was a different time (laughs) yeah you had to murder people to learn about them everybody knew that yeah jesus christ (laughs) but i i just mean the movie like as bad as it is the movie doesn't even try to do anything interesting like that it just says nope this is what happened in the most crude way possible yeah they should have deep dived more into like why he was in egypt or like his interest into egypt because it really was only like two scenes yeah uh, another, I just love Napoleon's story in the end because how many times can you say this happened in world history? I mean, even, I know a lot of people compare him to Hitler, which I don't think is a fair comparison because Not I, I don't at think, because <laughs> like Napoleon was a conqueror, but he wasn't evil. He, he wasn't, like I said, if anything, he was an idealist spreading mostly good ideas through warfare badly but he he had his heart in the right place in many ways but like you, you look at someone like hitler who's probably the next closest thing to napoleon in our history it's like napoleon did all this conquering and then hitler and then hitler's story ended with himself getting shot in the bunker and look or at napoleon no 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 i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah like look at napoleon he lost and then he was exiled and then he's like, ah, screw this, I'm bored. So he just waltzes back into Paris and then takes over the throne again. Apparently, so the legends go, without a shot fired, he just, he takes back over France, rules again for another hundred days, gets his ass kicked at the Battle of Waterloo, and then gets sent into exile again. He became, he was ruler of an empire twice in one lifetime and lived to tell about it. Yeah, the exile stuff, historically-wise, is very interesting to me. Like, you don't throw that guy in jail? I don't know. No. I know it's well, like I a like different, the, like... <laughs> I did like what the Duke of Wellington said, though. They're like, we, we can't keep you in England. <laughs> that's just, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Where else are they gonna keep this guy? That's true. He's very, sure. he's so charismatic. He's going to rally. Oh, yeah, if they, I think that, yeah, they said something like if they kill him, they'll make him a mod, uh, modder or something like that. I yeah. Think they said a line like that. Yeah. You kill him, you make him a martyr. You hold him anywhere. He's a congregation point for Someone, whoever yeah. wants to follow him. So. They could put yeah, him on a so boat. They had to just exile him <laughs> twice. <laughs> which yeah. is kind of funny. It's really funny. It's it's weird. It's like it's like a weird like custom I guess they had back then cuz it's like I'm going to divorce my wife, but she gets a really nice house, a lot of land, and she gets like a million dollars every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. "Okay. 
I know you love her, but you are divorcing this woman, right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, that ties back to what you were saying earlier about that woman that he had to have a son with just to prove he was fertile. And I'm like, see, this is what the movie... This is where the movie's putting its focus. Never mentions her or that other son again. Never mentions his second wife ever again either. She never shows up for a single that scene. That pissed after me that. off so much cuz I Cause thought they matter. had like pretty decent chemistry between the two in one scene. Like I thought that actress was like great and then she's never fucking there. Boo. <laughs> cuz once again, this is what's important to him. Yeah, he got remarried. He had a son. We saw him with the son in a couple scenes with the baby. But, yeah, we only see him talk to Josephine again. Which, apparently, I was reading, those letters they were reading in the movie were their real letters. Oh, I assume they were. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, please, I hope they are. Mm-hmm. Probably so weren't in nice, English, but... Well, no. <laughs> but that's a nice little detail. Why uh, is everybody speaking English in this movie? I thought they were French. So you can understand it, idiot. Well, yeah, that's another thing. It's like I said, it's a it's a movie written by an English knight, filmed mostly in England with English actors playing French people. I'm like, oh no, I'm more offended the more I talk about it. <sighs> I know I brought up Chernobyl before, but I'll bring it up again. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can read subtitles for that long, Joe. I know. You know how many people complained about Squid Game and Parasite? Not a lot, because those were two great movies and shows, but you know what I mean. (laughs) True. Although, I'll be honest, I didn't see Parasite except after it won Best Picture. Just because I was being stubborn (laughs) about the subtitles. I'm like, I I went to film school. I shouldn't be stubborn about this stuff. Good movie. It's just a it's a mental Weird roadblock. Turn. I just yeah. gotta get over. Movies. There's only movie. one time. Cool. There's only one time when I watched in the movie theater. I got distracted by something, and then I missed the subtitle. I was like, "Fuck, damn it!" Right at a big twist. Yeah, imagine it was right at the fucking. No, I am your father. <laughs> what? What do you say? What do you say? say? Why is he screaming? What do you say? Why is he upset? <laughs> I was getting popcorn. <laughs> Uh, so I really like the way the action is filmed in this. I like how Ridley Scott has that super energetic camera that's like point of view and it's right in the action sometimes and it's super chaotic. Like sometimes guys are like running around the camera beating up stuff just below it or that was really cool. Yeah. I also liked how the, the lighting of it too and the cinematography, like a lot of the battles that we saw are at night but it's lit so well that you can actually tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that attention to detail because a lot of the time certain filmmakers were like, well, it's at night. You wouldn't see anything. He's like, yeah, but we're watching a film and we have to watch it to understand what the fuck's going on. And really did that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just, I was just thinking, um, yeah, the energetic camera. The, the one I remember most was when he... Was when he basically said, uh, what was it? That the, he he basically dissolved uh, the parliament. It was like, oh, I'm in charge now. And he kind of isolated them all. 
in that one building, and then they all rampaged against him and chased him out of the building. That was so funny. That was great, yeah. But it's like first-person point of view, and they're like walking Phoenix, falling down the stairs, and then running out the door, and they're holding them back. And then he and his Should brother we vote? are like, let's try this again. I also love that little glance that his brother gave him. It's like, if Napoleon betrays the revolution, I'll be the first to kill him. And Napoleon looks at him like, what the hell? And his brother just kind of shrugs his shoulders quick, like, oh, shut the fuck just, up. Just, just go shut with up. it. Just go. They're listening. <laughs> yeah. I just love how quick the glance was there. Uh, yeah, so the movie was gorier than I expected, too. Yeah, like that wild. scene at the beginning with the the cannonball going through the horse's chest. Oh my god, that made me. That was crazy. I didn't like that. <laughs> or Marie Antoinette getting beheaded in scene one. So I'm an idiot, and I didn't realize that was Marie Antoinette till like ah. the end of the movie, because I know Napoleon wasn't at his her execution. Yes, <laughs> he was like ninety miles away in some battle or whatever, doing something else. And also, very famously, Marie Antoinette like stepped on the executioner's foot or whatever and apologized for it. I don't know. Yeah, so see, that part a, that's, that, like that's they a, missed. Yep, that's another thing. Lack of nuance. But another example. Hey, that's just me being dumb. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You open with Marie Antoinette's uh, execution. Um, the guillotine, very famous in that time. A lot of head chopping in the French Revolution. If you if nobody knows what the French Revolution or know a lot about it, look it up. A lot of fucking death. Heads rolled. Let yeah. them eat cake. That is Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a saying that's famously attributed to her, but it's also a question whether she actually said that. It's one of those <gasps> weird ones. Yeah, I've I've heard she didn't actually say that. Don't we blame her for enough, Joe? Let her have one thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's she's kind of a misunderstood historical figure. Many people figure. Yeah. I think she was just, from what I know of her, she was just like in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like she didn't wish ill on anybody. She was just kind of, yeah, she was just being a queen. Yeah, people exactly. Just she, of it. she was just she was just the queen at the time when nobility is all getting beheaded and but I also yeah. like when they showed that Napoleon being this rigid military guy is the perfect leader for this time when you see how ineffectual Robespierre's um, reign of terror is and how like everyone's just getting beheaded the entire time and mm -hmm. um, like there really is no justice and all the revolutionaries are just arguing with each other all day and then they even turn on Robespierre who tried to kill himself there and then from this chaos you needed actual leadership somebody stable with a forward looking vision who understood the ideals of the revolution and was willing to fight for them yeah what? I think yeah they told that early part of Napoleon's life very well I found uh, yeah, just like how crazy, good. yeah, how crazy, uh, like France was as a country 
um, before Napoleon uh, uh, went into power and how he sort of just somewhat fixed everything when he came into power and just sort of calmed everything down. Um, and I like the ending yeah. too. The, the first act is good and the last act is good, but the middle act is like, yeah. okay, well, what exactly are we doing here? Why? Montage time. <laughs> Basically, yeah, the gore in this like. is pretty crazy. I think, what was it when, yeah, when Napoleon's putting down the mob and it's like the barrage. <laughs> yeah. It's what we laugh at today, but like, I love how the military tactics like back in the day was walk in a straight line. They can't kill all of us at once. (laughs) That's because it was like one shot uh, guns and stuff. So the muskets took too long to reload reload. So tactically it made sense. Okay. We all shoot duck second row shoot duck first row. Maybe he's either dead by now or got a chance to reload shoot. It's the walking for me. It's just like you're just walking to your death. <laughs> and then it's really funny. you get close enough to hook up your bayonets and stab, stab, stab. Yeah. It's hilarious. But yeah, when he's putting down the mob, literally the first row, there's a couple people that you just see like a blood mist. Like they're literally turned into dust. Yeah. From just all the hail of bullets. And I thought that was just like an insane visual effect. I like that person were, doesn't exist anymore. I also liked how there were still people alive on the ground and their legs were just blown off. God. And like everyone insane. just kind of turns and runs, even though they have the numbers. Yeah. When people talk about overthrowing the government nowadays, I'll show them this clip and be like, what do you think is going to happen now when... They have more than just guns. They have more guns that just fire more than one round now. Although the thing about that is that those were the royalists. The actual revolutionaries who, one, I guess, didn't care as much. Well, the royalists already lost. Of course, they were the ones who turned tail and ran. Yeah, fair enough. If you wanted to fight so hard, why didn't you fight your common, your, your fellow men while, you, while the revolution was going on? Well, know. maybe they, they probably did. I'm gonna tell you. Uh, let's see, Vanessa Kirby is incredible. Yeah, she's great. It's hilarious because I might be the only one who notices this, but she, she was. There's a character, and I don't know his name. Should have looked it up beforehand. But uh, actually, let me look at it here now. But there is. It's funny because they're both in the crown. Vanessa Kirby and the guy who play okay Ben Mil um Callencourt that's the character's name but Ben Miles who played Peter Townsend and very famously in the first season of The Crown they are in a love affair and they ah, can't yes. get together because of yes, yes. royal bullshit and it's hilarious that they're in the same scene together or a couple times but they never interact I just <laughs> personally have thought that was hilarious but yeah Vanessa Kirby is phenomenal. Loved her in The Crown. I loved her in here uh, in Napoleon. She's, yeah, she's great. I hope to see her in more things other than a fucking Fast and Furious spinoff. I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, I bet she had fun in it, but whatever. Yeah, she's she got nominated for an Oscar before. Really? It was in, yeah, it was during uh, that 2020 run. It was when, like, not a lot of movies came out. 
Um, she, for Best mm-hmm. Actress, she was nominated for. I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. movie. I had it before. I saw it yeah. before, actually. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't see it, but I saw the name of the movie. Uh, Pieces of a Woman. That movie. Okay, I haven't. I haven't heard of it. I don't yeah. know that one. But yeah, I thought she was the most sympathetic character in the movie. She was the most consistent one. She had the closest thing to what I can call an arc. Really? And then she just dies off screen, which is even more sad. Yeah, that was weird for me. It was like, okay, yeah, she dies off screen. I get it. Um, I felt like her like sickness wasn't really explained that well. Like, what was she sick with? I wish I knew pneumonia, that. Uh, pneumonia, I think. Uh, gotcha. Um, and it just felt too fast. I don't know. I don't, like, I just felt like, yeah, could have explored it a bit more. I thought it was um, also sad uh, when she died. They, they all, they sold off all the letters, and he just wanted the letters back. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. Who did sold it to? Uh, this guy named um, uh, Ridleyus Scott. <laughs> it's like Ridley Scott's like great 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 grandpa. <laughs> yeah, English. Oh yeah, speaking of English representation, um, love how the Duke of Wellington was shown to be so noble. Like, no, no, assassin, don't, don't kill him. He's, he's too valuable. Like, what do you think? Why, why, generals shouldn't have to shoot each other? Yeah. It's boring. Boring. I love, Be ruthless. <laughs> I love their conversation on the boat at the end, though. They're just, yeah. they're just having English breakfast on an, on an, like one of those Navy boats he hates so much. And he's just, yeah, yeah let's, let's just talk this out. I'm here. Yeah. Good scene between the two you? of them. Yeah. I I keep going back to that boat joke. It's so funny to me because mm. of like I know so much of like I know very little about history, but <laughs> if you know history, you know the English controlled so much of the English channel because of boats. It's just a really funny joke that's not <laughs> It's English, like it's meant to be a joke, but it's yeah. a smart one. The Navy is what they're known for historically. Yeah. And even that's then, why they, even like it's probably non-military why. too, like yeah. Dunkirk, all the civilians going to save army people, army people. That's why what there's that saying? song, <laughs> Britannia rule the waves. Yeah. They're pretty good on a boat. Yep. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, the production value in this movie is exceptional. Uh, all the varied locations, practical sets. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Yeah, the actors. volume looks great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if Ridley would use the volume. I don't even know if he knows what the volume is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how into new technology is he is. Like, I, I know like, someone like James Cameron is super into emerging technologies. I, I don't know if Ridley Scott really cares about that stuff where he's just like, I'm going to make movies Probably the way not. I've always made movies. Yeah. Stick With, to what you know. Yeah. And he's good at it. Like, when's the last time you saw a movie with this many extras in full costume just doing crazy stuff on camera? It's been a while. It was probably another really Scott movie. <laughs> now that yeah. I think about it. It's very impressive to me 
I'm kind of a sucker for these large-scale epics that actually pull it off. Just the fact that he got money to do this and he's actually doing a movie like this in 2023 when, say, Avengers Endgame, everything in there is CGI and big armies are clashing and it feels weightless. And like, yeah, you know, I'm still emotionally invested for, for a lot of this, but it's just, it's weightless and uncanny Valley and it's not real. And then you look at this one and it, it like the camera is right up in the action dozens or hundreds of extras all in costume. It's brutal. It's intense blood squibs and practical muzzle flare flares and puffs of smoke and crazy stuff like that and it just it feels way more real and investing because of it yeah yeah it's pretty uh it's pretty phenomenal to see um filmmakers still use sort of the traditional way of filmmaking in terms of like practicality and having extra work um and giving just it really shows the scale of the battles and it is the high points of the movies and mm-hmm. I love seeing it. Um, I also what if love we stuff sat like- in a square and shot when they tried to charge through us? Brilliant. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good tactic to uh, stop a cavalry charge. Just back to back, just group. Although uh, I don't I also- know why they wouldn't just go like past them. Anyway. <laughs> Well, because they got a, they have muskets. They're just gonna shoot them uh, in the back if they don't. Just yeah. dodge it like Napoleon did with his hat. <laughs> <laughs> like a like Han Solo in the special edition. Just don't <laughs> your neck. Just Actually, off. it's the definitive version now because it's been edited out of existence. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's the actual one. Yeah, I also Thanks, like George. the ornate <laughs> McClunky. I also like the, uh, the the ornate costumes uh, and also the, the rags on the urchins. Just the costume design is really good in this movie as well. Yeah, costume design, production design is uh, phenomenal. Um, I think they nailed it to a T. Especially the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not crowning. Coronation? Is that coronation. what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That coronation scene is pretty, it's pretty damn good in terms of the... Uh, costume design i hope that'll definitely get an oscar nomination hopefully the costume design for this movie i hope the sound design gets an oscar nomination oh yeah me, that that was the most impressive i don't usually notice sound design but every gunfire or time a cannonball hit something or like i could i could nearly feel it i was just in a regular theater i wasn't in imax or abx or anything special but all the sounds were, they were very affecting to me. Just, they they stood out as, wow, you really made me feel that punch in a way I don't usually experience. Most of the time, blows or explosions just, yeah, they happen. They're a thing. They're kind of mixed in in a way that it nearly blends in. But every every shot felt impactful. In a way yeah, that it doesn't it, usually, because of the sound design specifically. 
Yeah, I think uh, I totally agree. Sound design was uh, exceptional. How'd you feel about the color grading? I feel like in some sense it was like fine, and then others it was like it was too blue. I'll tell you my problem with the color grading, and I feel like I've got on this rant before, but I will have it as many times as it takes for Hollywood to change its ways. (laughs) I hate the way... Well, basically anything, but this is a specific problem with historical fiction. It's like color graders forget that the world was just as colorful back then as it is now. They have to set anything more than a hundred years ago in this drab color palette. Like blues and grays and concretes. It looks like a Russo Brothers movie. Like, but a little better. Holy shit. Go on. Just let the colors pop a little. I know it's Napoleon. I know there's some it's gritty and you wanna you wanna desaturate just to be like, look how serious and gritty we are. This is it's a historical movie. There was no sunlight or colors in history. Serious all the time. Like, well, uh, you look at historical epics from the 60s, those colors popped. True. Yeah. Look at, I don't know, Gone with the Wind, Ben-Hur. Like, I'm having trouble thinking of other examples right now, but just like any of those movies in the in the 50, 30s, 50s, 60s that did epics, they were colorful. And they weren't afraid to be. You know, maybe you could say, oh, maybe it takes away something or other. It makes it feel less serious to a modern audience. But that's only because we've been trained to think that desaturation means serious for some reason. It's stupid. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. That's my take on the color grading. It's weird. It felt like somebody... Not to shit on the editors, but felt like somebody did all the editing color grading to get like the white balance correct. And then they put the one adjustment layer on the whole movie, picked their one color grade, and they're like, okay, that's it. Like they didn't adjust scene for scene, which I feel was their downfall. Yeah. Well, I think that's just about all I've got. Oh, we haven't really talked about Joaquin Phoenix at all. Oh, Uh, yeah. He's, He's good good i i thought he was playing too stoic at first i wasn't really mm-hmm. a fan at the beginning but then he then he got to those scenes where like i said he was alone with josephine and his family and he started showing more personality which was good once again i just wish i saw a little bit more out of the character than yeah just him either being uh like a jilted lover in his own mind or just him being an egotist or having a temper. I wish I, I wish I saw like he was occasionally tender and charming, but I wish I could have seen more of that or like philosophical. Yeah, there wasn't in comparison to Vanessa Kirby, there wasn't a lot for Joaquin Phoenix to really show how good his acting like chops are. 
Um, but for the stuff that he was given, he did a pretty good job. He didn't get enough material to work with. Yeah. I wish he could have gotten to show off a better range. Mm-hmm. He's a phenomenal actor. He's one of the best that's working right now. So yeah. Well, I keep seeing comparisons to to his like his. I keep seeing comparisons to his like Joker performance, and like people are commenting like which is better. I'm like, you can't compare these two very different movies. (laughs) Like, just I know like comparison like people are just gonna tend to do it, but it's just like one's a DC property. And his fiction, and one's like a biopic. Like Is you that your uh, agree to disagree question for this week? No, my agree to disagree question has nothing to do with Napoleon. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, Joe might hate me for this, we... but I love doing I love doing agree to disagrees, where it's like, or to come up with questions that there's like news cycles come up or, or not come up with, but like stuff happens in the news or entertainment world. And I just make up a ridiculous question. That's my agree to disagrees. What about, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say before we get into that segment, if, especially if it's got not so much to do with Napoleon, I'll just say, um, getting a little sick of talking about this movie. Cause we were just kind of, eh, it's okay. Uh, I say it's worth a watch. I'm hoping the four hour cuts, better there's a lot to admire in it fantastic production value sound design technically the movie is very well made i don't think the actors were given a lot of great material to play off of though they played it as well as they could the story somehow didn't take advantage of all the best aspects of napoleon's life it like i got why it focused on the places it did but I wish it focused on different places that were right. more. Yeah. That's that's more what I, I wanted agree. going in. And maybe that's a me problem of, well, how dare you bring your expectations into this story? It doesn't owe you anything. Fair point. Go into this with no expectations, know nothing about Napoleon. You might come away with something. The only thing I didn't really know going in was that he and Josephine got divorced. I never knew that. That was new to me. So I did learn something, but I'm yeah. also not super well versed on Napoleon. If any people who know history have heard me ramble on about what I think I know, yeah, no, I com- I completely agree with everything you said. I I think on a technical level, it's a great movie. Just story wise, it needed a little bit more, um, a little bit more deep dive into Napoleon's life. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's get into our. Newer segment, agree to disagree. Ba-da, ba-da. I don't know. <laughs> we don't. Up with a... we'll, we'll figure it out. See, what I want um, eventually is a soundboard where I can do those stupid special effects. That would be brilliant. Yeah. And then you could just have clips of like our stupid jokes that we've said over these past few episodes. <laughs> just dumb things we've said. Yeah, like every time... Uh, like every time someone makes fun of animation, I'll have a button for you. Every time somebody, <laughs> I don't know, talks about the sequels, I'll have a button for that. And you'll say that you love them. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> or that, or just a clip of that soundbite of like, She-Hulk's my favorite show. Velma was good. Just, I don't know. 
The Give Velma a chance. <laughs> the controversies. What's your agree to disagree? Alrighty. So, Naughty Dog recently said that they are doing a remaster of The Last of Us Part 2. Since The Last of Us Part 2 is getting a useless remaster, what game would you like to see remastered? For me, it would be the God of War trilogy. What would it be, what would it be for you, Joe? That is... That's a very tough, tough question. Uh, I'm nearly willing to debate whether Last of Us 2 should get a remaster because I read more on it and it's not as useless as I first thought. Yeah, to be fair, it's only like a $10 upgrade if you already own the game. That's what I and you, saw. And it, does, and it is getting you new levels and stuff Whatever. too, so it's not... Like, is it going to fix yeah. old levels? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just don't like it's going to fix the story. <laughs> the game's fine. I've come around on it. It's the story I don't like. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got to I got to look up video games aren't my forte. I just I have to look up a list of stuff I Well, I'll distract enjoyed. them. The reason I say the okay, reason I say the know? God of War the reason I say the God of War trilogies, uh, the like the one, two, and three, the Greek stuff, is because PlayStation is just known for not really doing backwards compatible games unless you subscribe to their service and you have to stream it. And there's a lot of pull out there for the God of War original trilogy to be remastered because they are such great games, and to get like an HD boost or a know a 4k boost of it or just even like a port over to the playstation so people can just have a physical copy of it would be amazing um i also read somewhere someone speculated that santa monica might not want that because they're afraid it would conflict with their norse saga sales but they've like sold over like 60 million copies for both games so it's like they're fine um I don't know. Okay. I, I saw got, another I got, tweet where it was like, Sony just hates money and they don't want to do it. <laughs> I got my answer. Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. Ooh, that's a good one. Best yeah. lightsaber combat of any Star Wars game ever made. Yeah. Changed my mind. Get a remaster version of that game. Keep the same combat. Luke's new Jedi Order fighting the forces of... Um, like the, stopping the resurrection of Marco Ragnos. Is Cal Katarn in that one? All over. Hmm? Is Cal Katarn in that one? Or am I thinking yeah, about he's in it. He's, he's not the yeah, protagonist. Yeah, that's what I'm of thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apprentice. I know what I'm thinking of now. Yeah. Yeah. You get to fight all these dark Jedi and stormtroopers and learn different force powers. You can go light side and dark side, but also there's light side, dark side endings. Kyle Katarn's a really cool supporting character. Luke Skywalker's in there as well. I'm a big fan of the old expanded universe, and that's one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. Like I said, the lightsaber combat would be oh, amazing if you could keep that same mechanics and just give it a graphical overhaul to bring it up to today's standards. The locations mm-hmm. are really cool yeah. in there as well. You get I remember like you get to go to Bespin and Korriban and uh Yavin 4. There's a whole lot of Maybe even Coruscant. I don't like. There was some city planet as well. There was a lot of really cool stuff in that game that I'd love to see get a redo. Yeah. So that's, that's my a, answer. That's a good choice. 
God of War is a good choice too. I'm playing through those right now, and they're they're actually not that bad, um, for my standards. But I've got the PS3. Oh, they're still copy. yeah, they're still playable. I just like a lot of people have upgraded to the newer system, and a lot of people don't want to do like a monthly subscription in order to own one of their favorite games. I mean, or like they already own those games, right? And the fact that they can't even play it on their newer console sucks. Yes. Yes. See, it's funny. I'm just going down a list of my favorite video games here, and a lot of them were like, well, that does not need a remaster. That doesn't need a remaster. That definitely doesn't. I'm like, I, I have something on here like, um, like Uncharted 2. I'm like, does that really need a remaster? I think it's still fine. No. Stuff like that. Or I'm like, I don't know. I like Pokemon Platinum's another li- like game on my list here. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of cartoony. It never needed. Like, it they, rem- need a remaster. they remaster Pokemon every year. So. <laughs> <laughs> Practically. Um, like Arkham City. No, that doesn't really need a remaster either. Do like, not a lot touch of the ones on games. my list, I'm like, they're fine. L.A. Noir is another one on I'm like, it's already got the best facial animations I've Ooh, ever seen. Yeah. yeah. People have been calling for that, but I feel like they got like, it, it's like there's no way they would, they would only have to be able to do like a 4K restoration of it in terms of remaster L.A. Noir because the facial animation is just too good. Like that's they can't go I mean. any better. That, that's what I'm talking about. Everything else would, but why would you fix the main mechanic? Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's my Speaking take. of, <laughs> what's really funny, Warp Zone just came out with a new sketch about how like they have a certain game that's in their back catalog and for Davis it was one. like it was Horizon funny. Zero West and it was a good one and when you brought up Uncharted it was like oh that's Uncharted for me <laughs> like I, aren't, I have all four of like the first like the first four games I have them I bought the collection and I bought um, Thief's End what's it called yeah I think that's it I bought those I will play them but then this game came out then this game came out then this game's on sale and then it's just like, yeah, I it's it's I'm sorry, Uncharted fans. I will play it. It's just in back catalog. I didn't feel yeah. bad, but I also don't at the same time because there's so many yeah, games I'm still playing. <laughs> you know, no one's allowed to talk about back catalog. Like I, I'm the I'm the last one who you're not talk about that. <laughs> I got a very very bad back catalog. Anyway. That's Napoleon. You got a bad forward catalog. <laughs> yeah. So let's plug our socials. You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thought Play Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe, where we review the first season of Invincible. Till next time. Take care. You have so many boats.